Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the, I guess, podcast, also slash book club meeting here at Happy Harvest Horror Show. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show book club, (laughs) uh, where we meet once a month and read a new book. And uh, today we got Julia with us who recommended this month's book. And since it was three of us, thought it'd be a fun idea just to kind of record our discussion. Give you guys like a peek behind the curtain. And what the book club looks like. And so you can join in too next month. But this month we were reading White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's an angry ghost. <laughs> is that coming from my end? Are you I don't hearing? know. I don't okay. know who, whose it was. I just heard a yell in the background. <laughs> my partner is uh, out there with some friends watching Dune. And I think they're going to get oh. rowdy. <laughs> nice. Very That's nice. Bad. I love it. I love um, it. All right. So just for all of our listeners out there, um, yeah, we do book club every single month. It's for all of our supporters who support the show at any level, even as low as 99 cents a month, which you can do at anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support, become a supporter, and then shoot us an email, say you want to be part of the book club. We choose a book every month. And then at the end of the month, we have just a Zoom hang scheduled where we all talk about it. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. We've got a pretty good group of people involved in the book club, but it is also you can kind of come and go as you please. And so, yeah, since we have a smaller kind of contained group uh, for this uh, book club meeting, we're like, hey, let's make some content out of it. Why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to do book club, but just a little it's, you know, it's only the three of us. And um, yeah, if you kind of like the vibe, you can check out the actual book club next month. So, yeah, we're talking about White is for Witching by Helen Oyayemi. And it was actually recommended to us by Julia here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very excited that you're here to talk about it um, because I know you really loved it and I really enjoyed it. And I'm excited to hear everything you have to say. Um, And also like just thinking back to the last time you were on the podcast for the Persephone episode, I'm like piecing together. I'm like, oh yeah, it makes so much sense that like, (laughs) like you recommended this book. (laughs) Yeah. I love it though. I love it. Um, Yeah. Where should we start? Well, I guess, I mean, Julia, you're the one that recommended the book. What, how did you come across this book? How did you find it? Because I'd never heard of it before you recommended yeah, it. So when I was in college, I took an English class with this really cool professor. And it was all about like, uh, all the books we read had something to do with ghosts or haunted houses or something. And then oh, she yeah. gave us like some recommended reading, like, hey, if you liked the books in this class, here are some things I considered us reading, but we didn't get the time to, um, and white is for witching, uh, was on there. And I was like, Oh, that basically the plot summary she gave us was like, it's something to do with like eating disorders and vampires. And I was like, you, you had me at eating disorders (laughs) and vampires. So (laughs) yeah, I read it that summer after, and it was the creepiest book I've ever read. (laughs) 
It is. Not, it is. You're not um, wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's it's deeply creepy. Um, but yeah, like in the best way, like I like her writing style is just like deeply beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it's so like there were so many moments in this book where like just a line was so well crafted and like just poetry. And I was like, God, that is beautiful. Just like, yeah, within sometimes more mundane moments, but sometimes, you know, very deeply spooky, scary moments. And it just like, it's such an interesting, um, I guess, yeah, like weaving of like really horrifying imagery, but it's a lot of times the words are almost crafted in a way where it feels calming and like, you're floating almost because it's so such like poetic flowery language at times. Yeah. It flows a lot. And that was, that was a thing for me. It was hard to get my footing with this at first Mm -hmm, because the way, I mean, there's no real, like, this is who is talking right now. You have to like, it takes like a few pages sometimes to get context clues of who I'm talking about. And later on in the book, once I like kind of, you know, got a, um, a familiarity with the writing style, I was like, okay, now we're switched to this character with this character. I know who's talking now. Um, but it would be, I mean, she would, it would flow between one character to the next in such a like effortless ways that at first it was hard for me to get my head around. Cause I'm like, there's no seams. It's like, I'm, uh, you know, Mary is talking at one point. I'm like, Oh no, this is Elliot talking. This is her, you know, the other one. And so, um, Which is what she wants you to think. <laughs> exactly. And so it yeah. kind of gets, gets in your head a little bit. Yeah. I struggled with that too, for like, it took me, it took me a long time to get like my grounding in the book and like to really, because yeah, there, there was so many times where I had no idea uh, what perspective, I was right. in, I was like, wait, where are we? You know, um, well, but there's, that, that, there's that whole bit at the beginning, like the prologue where it starts you at the end and like Mary's mm-hmm. already disappeared. And, and we're talking like, you know, what happened to her? Does anybody know? And we don't know who's talking and we don't really know who they are anyway. And then that narrator comes back right before the end too. And it's like, so what do you think? What happened? And it came at a time too, yeah. where I'm like, nothing happened yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is is fascinating. Yeah, there's definitely, I think, um, honestly, what helped me a little bit too, like halfway through the book, when I was having issues kind of just finding my footing with the perspective shifts is like, I I read like online a little bit more of like other people's stuff that they had said, and it kind of helped ground it for me. And then when I came back, I was able to follow it, like no problem. I don't know, it's definitely a book I'm already like, I want to reread at some point because yeah, I think I, I'm going to get so much too. more. This was my second read of this one and it clicks a lot more the, the second time. Mm-hmm. I also though, to uh, be fair, I am someone who really, I get a lot out of things that I blatantly don't understand. Like a lot of times being confused really lights me up. It's very exciting for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I like being kind of confused and lost because to me, it feels almost magical. Like, I feel like there's something happening here that my brain can't quite grasp yet. And that's very fascinating and exciting to me. Right, um, right. So I, I love books like this that are challenging in that way. Cause it like, it excites me in a, a way that a book that's super easy to follow just doesn't, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's also talking to that confusion. Um, I think it was also kind of a thing that I struggled and was frustrated at the beginning, but by the end, I'm like, no, this is kind of genius. Cause I mean, they even like call out what she's doing at one point when she's, when Miri says she doesn't like Poe and then Elliot was like, no, this is what I like about Poe. And then I'm like, this is what the book is doing. That's like <laughs> literally. I'm gonna, like, I actually have that page like earmarked and I wanted to read that, just that um, explanation. Cause I thought it was like so brilliant. Where he's mm-hmm. like, um, I think Poe's quite good, actually. The whole casual horror thing. Like someone standing next to you and screaming their head off and you asking them what the fuck and them stopping for a moment to say, oh, you know, I'm just afraid of death. And then they keep on with the screaming. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Miri's whole perspective. Every time you're in Miri's, she's that's exactly what she's yeah, doing. Exactly. She's like, oh, I'm just going down to the, you know, down to the kitchen in the middle of the night to eat some chalk. And oh, I, I, there's a ghost there. I didn't realize it was a ghost. I thought it was just me. Oh, I don't know. Here's more chalk. And I'm like, fucking <laughs> out of control. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, but yeah, that's also yeah one incredibly intentional and then at moments so like visceral and somewhat relatable I think to you know basically anyone who's ever experienced any form of disassociation which I think is most people you know that like feeling of like being like outside your body or there's that part there's that monologue where um where uh she like it's taught where Miranda's talking about how she doesn't know if she's dead or not. I feel like that's such God, a perfect yeah. way to put how disassociation and weirdness can feel. And so it's like, it's kind of putting you in that, like those kinds of situations, but it's also like, that's what it feels like. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, am I dead right now? Like what is happening? You know? So I thought that part was so interesting, especially to like see it from the perspective of Ori, who is, you know, normally in moments like that, you would, you know, if your friend is experiencing something like, like that, you can do what Ori does, which is like, okay, no, you're right here. I can see mm-hmm. you, I can touch you. But in this particular case, like she starts to realize that Miranda's kind of right. Like it's, she can't anchor her in that way because- She's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was reading it too, and I'm like, is she dead? Like, yeah, I, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking for about real. It, like, yeah, that did happen. She did hit her head. Uh, it was like a pretty big thing that they kind of moved past. Um, when was that? Know. When did she hit her head? It was when she was tussling with Elliot. Oh, um, and uh, which was also an early thing where I'm looking at that scene like, mm, um, you two what's going on there. And then that came back later. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, th- this book is also such a Gothic horror. It turned into such a Gothic story that I, in ways I didn't expect, like all the taboos, the ta- quote unquote taboos from depends on your perspective, but that like were incorporated by the end here, you know, that like um, they brought in like the potential incest, they brought in potential, you know, the eating disorder. There's all these different, like quiet un- unspoken things that became like, the entire story by the end. And then, and then you forget that there's like a castle just up the road from their house too. That's like always looming over that. I'm like, my gosh, if this was like a visual thing, it would be yeah, like a crimson peak vibe. I feel like, but it like does I have crimson peak vibes, right? The, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, but I'm like reading it and I'm like, and I was like, it's present day. So I'm like not thinking about it that way, but by the end, I'm like, this is all the ingredients are there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That's my thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love the most about this 
book, and I think is why my professor recommended it to us, is because the house itself is a character. And I yeah. feel like in a, haunted <laughs> house story, in a haunted house story, that's really what I want. And it's also it's also a racist character, yeah. a oh, racist much. haunted house. Yeah. yeah, like that was like a yeah. Not only do you have a building as a, a full personified character, but it's got some very you know problematic views and stuff. It's like so freaking cool because like I I had never fully put those two ideas together that like, you know, I, I live in Georgia. I've grown up in Georgia my whole life. And like, there are a ton of like plantation houses and stuff where you're like, if this place is haunted, the ghost is racist. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But like if the house itself had will, the house would be racist. Like it's, it's terrifying to think about, but like it makes perfect sense and it's very scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. And yeah, the, the house itself I mean, and to take that even to a, another level, like the house versus the land, right? Like a house built as like a monument to colonialism would definitely yeah. be racist, but it would probably be in battle with like the land, which, you know, yeah. Ooh, is yeah. not racist and is, mm-hmm. you know, like, I know that was just like a, an offshoot thought, but like right. if we, if we want to see more content about a personified spaces that's kind of i don't know i think some ideas to play with um, yeah there's there's some like hill house stuff there too with the idea yeah. like that the ha- the the house's influence even when you're not even in the house still calling it back calling you home that like it still has a pull over you that you know um and it's fascinating to see the, the perspective of this book all of all the the workers that would come through the house and to help the family and that they're the ones affected by it the most. And you don't, and, and they're very clear what they, you know, even though they don't say it throughout the book, they're like, this is why. Um, uh, yeah. It's fascinating. And they like, they, whenever they, I don't know, until we get the uh, Sadie, I think in the, in the last half, like there have been people before and they're like, not really willing to talk to the family about what exactly is the vibe and Sadie's just full out like this, ha- this place is actively hostile and I'm fighting back with tooth and nail. And I love, mm-hmm. she, she might be my favorite character. She's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that scene where the, that were, who was Ori was like, why don't you quit? Why don't you just get out of here? And, and they're like, you have demons, or like ghosts in here telling you to jump out a window. Why don't you don't? She's like, because there's one ghost that says, don't do it. And I was like, made me think like, damn, that's really for the best of us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. You know, you know, like, damn. Um, that whole scene where, uh, oh my God, I think this might be the scariest scene to me where the house like waits for everybody, but Sadie to be gone, lets an apple fall through the window and then makes a mannequin attack Sadie with the apple is so chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wanted to bring up the mannequin, like just the mannequin. Every time it's mentioned, like, I love a spooky mannequin. Like, it's just like, (laughs) just like such a good addition, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great visual moments. Uh, We we talked about like the vampire bits, you know, and like, you know, Miri, like really leeching off of Ori. I liked that it, it was also in this, I liked the way that it was depicted as, yeah, Mary like leeching off of Ori, but she really did love her, you know, yeah. and that how, how, especially early in relationships, you, you tend to get so consumed with one another and yeah. how there was all those visuals of the, like their bodies, like 
very much kind of intertwined and being consumed and being connected. And like, you could feel it, like you could feel that sensation and it feels on from both ends. It feels very like innocent and real. And then at the same time, there's this insidious undertow, you know, the very beginning of their relationship when they first meet, it's like the only time that we see Miranda eat so comfortably and just chow down. Like they go Mm -hmm. in that picnic at night and they're just, you know, racing to finish the food. And like, I don't know, in that moment, I'm just sitting there reading it being like, please let this last. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know it's Mm -hmm. not gonna, but it's so lovely. And I I don't think in that moment, like Ori knows the significance of that, but we've had the whole book to, to watch Miranda be scary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Very true. Which, speaking about Randa being scary, that's also like what the genius of like this. I was so I couldn't get my footing the like first you know hundred pages almost. I felt like is because they were like talking about Lily. They were talking about Lily's dead, and then talking about Miranda, and then even the character, even like the narrator was like Lily. Oh, sorry, no Miranda, and like (laughs) would like go through it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. who are we talking about? And then by the end, I realized, oh, they're all the same person. That's why. And there's like. that idea got me the most of like, they're just yeah. kind of like wearing skin suits of each other. I don't know that like, no. the, like <laughs> yeah. the, the deep, like the, sewn the, together. Yeah. You know, the, like, the lineage that is actually like just a creating one being basically into the house and the house is all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the, one of the things that I caught this time that I don't think I caught the first time was that Miranda's grandmother, the one who like, apparently abandoned Lily um, didn't actually leave. She just got trapped in the house. Like the house ate her and just let her wander around until she was part of the house, which is horrific. But like it, it, I don't know that that spoke to the nature of the house to me that made me think like, okay, this house doesn't actually intend to hurt these people that it likes so much. It just doesn't ever, ever want them to go away. Mm -hmm. So gross. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, Uh and you know just like you know the metaphor on top of it all like speaking to like like consumption just in general you know that like kind of yeah that just like tie-in of like consuming almost like like a life force you know which is like it that's a concept we see across a lot of different horror obviously Mm -hmm. zombies and vampires but like I like that they, I like that it had this like vampire esque feel, but it wasn't vampire. No, it you wasn't know, vampire. like it had qualities of a vampire. Yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. But it didn't go like, oh, sh- you know, she's a vampire, they're vampires or anything like that. It just like, it was more of, yeah, like a raw need to consume just like life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I thought that was interesting. We get a lot of that, the examples of it peripherally. I was curious reading because there was a lot of like suggestions of things that were happening behind the scenes of like, or off stage uh, of like, like, like a Tiana's cousin being attacked, um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, by a woman that looked just like Miri. But then when they came face to face, like, Oh, it wasn't her. It was a different it looks, girl. Well, it looks exactly like Miranda's grandmother or great. Exactly. And that's, so that's mm-hmm. what I was wondering is that, is that like proof by the end that I'm like, 
was she moonlighting, you know, or like mm-hmm. not moonlighting as like a, yeah. you know, a, a <laughs> racist killer, you know, but like, it was she, <laughs> but she has these blackout sessions where she doesn't really remember where she was. Do the, do, does, you know, does her ancestry take over in those moments? Does mm-hmm. she, these are all questions that I had that I didn't get resolved at the end, but I'm still wondering yeah. like how response I, I suspected Elliot when I was reading it, like, did Elliot do this? Ooh. Cause he's, he's, he's missing a lot. And, and, yeah. That's There's true. even a suggestion that he wasn't even in Africa most of that time, which, which I'm like, me out. like, where, where was he? Like, <laughs> I have that. Just gonna leave me with life. that, like, because <laughs> you know. the implication—what is the implication? It's like he wasn't really in South Africa. He was there for a while, came back, and then stalked Miri at college. Stalked her? <laughs> yeah, because that's what the implication. I missed that I part. Think so, because he has pictures of her at Oxford oh, under his mattress. Right. Like, that's what that. I read the that part with the pictures and I was like, this means something. I'm not connecting any dots. And then <laughs> I kept going, but thank you for pointing that out. I'm like, you're yeah, absolutely yeah, right. I, she, I, why did she get those pictures? There's the whole point of, not the whole point, but like the part where Miri mentions like multiple times being at Oxford, feeling like something is following her or like she's being watched. And I assumed it's like, okay, it's the house <gasps> calling her back. And it might just be fucking Elliot. It's like, just Elliot. <laughs> Elliot's a piece of work in this. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about Elliot at all. Like, I like I I I feel like I have no concrete feelings about him. I'm just like I don't know about you. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, because it's not even yeah because he's gone. It potentially wasn't even in South Africa, but like most of the book, whenever he's not, I mean, it's just the three of them in the house. It's Luke, it's Mary, and it's it's him. And for a lot of the time, he's not there. So like where. <laughs> I mean, and and they're like, yeah, ch- checked on him. The the window was open, but he wasn't there. Oh well, you know. And they like <laughs> moved on with the story. And I I kept like, what is what is? So that's why I suspected that he was like this, you know, I, town murderer. That's a good point. There's a line in there somewhere that really made me think. It's like just after he's gone to his internship, and he says like, I'd always figured that I was pretty much fine because I was always standing next to Miri and she was fucked up. (laughs) Um, And then once I left, I realized that I'm not actually that stable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't get a lot of, I don't know, this is something that, that means, means stuff to me personally, just because like I've been, I've had issues. And then like my brother in contrast to that is like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm good. But um, it, it made me think about like the reason that we don't get a lot from Elliot might just be that people are so preoccupied with making sure Mary is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he's free to be developing fucked up shit of his own. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, and then you got Luke too, another tragic, you know, male figure there that like is obsessed with cooking um, and writing cookbooks. And then you kind of, I, just such a dummy Brian didn't put it together until really towards the end of like why he's so like fixated on that and he's like trying to find things that she would eat you know like I was like mm-hmm. so heartbreaking of like man you know that like he doesn't know how to help um but uh, yeah I thought I thought Luke was was a was a pretty tragic character that I wish we got more of um yeah I'd love to pose the question um because I don't have an answer what happened to Miri at the end where did she go? Okay. I feel like there's 
the book really deals in these two kind of realities where like there's the supernatural reality and there's the like concrete gritty reality. And mm. I feel like in the concrete gritty reality, she just wandered away and died somewhere. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Barefoot. Yeah. 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 In the supernatural reality, I feel like she's in the bomb shelter basement with the other three. Yeah. She's in yeah. the walls. Yeah, because isn't there a mention at the beginning of the book that one of the, like, Lily, maybe, that, like, in the walls, she's, like, eating chalk in the walls or something? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I think you're right. That, like, she, like, became part of the house, and I wondered that also with Mary, that maybe she... Yeah, it's in the very beginning. It's when the book is narrating. It says, like, uh, it's when it's saying, like, Miranda is at home, homesick, homesick. Uh, she's stretched out inside a wall, feasting on plaster. She has pica. Stretched out inside a wall. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not, Not a great, great image. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would fully agree with like that assessment because there is, I mean, it's not as simple as like um, a a switching between gritty reality and paranormal. Like it's all intertwined to the extent that it makes you feel like it all is existing, Mm -hmm. which I think is actually a really smart way to go about things. Because a lot of times with any kind of like paranormal horror, like there is this really intense like... um, contrast between like what is reality and what is paranormal and like trying to create defined lines so that like the paranormal stuff seems really crazy you know but this it really just all blends together in a way that I think is um yeah it's more poetic and it also is probably more in line with what paranormal experiences actually are. And so, yeah, I kind of like this idea that like, it was kind of a both and thing. Like, yeah, she probably did wander away and die somewhere. And also she's probably in the house, you know, like That's true, cause Lily, Lily died somewhere else and she's still in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, and we even get the, the, the very last pages of the book, which I thought were so haunting was, was and also like almost the same as the movie personal shopper. If you guys have seen the movie personal shopper, it's like the same ending. It's kind of bizarre. Um, but the, uh, um, where Elliot's like calling, asking, like, where are you? Are you still alive? Like, and thinking like one means no, two means yes. And then she mm-hmm. hears like two deliberate creaks in the house. And so I was like, she's there. She's in the house. But what like really the haunting bit that I thought was like, when he, when he asked uh, Mary, are you coming back? And then it was uh, stopped, step, step, halt. So two, yes, I am coming back. And he asked when three creaks. And then he's like, what does three mean? And then he like writes it down. So he knows that. So three days, three years, three months. So from now I had to write it down by, by then I may no longer believe I heard anything in Mary's room. That's why I had to write it down. So I'd always remember this happened, but I, the three, always like, what does fucking three mean? <laughs> For sure. And, I and love that, that. Yeah. I, I think that also kind of like has this twist too of like um, the failures of linear time, especially mm-hmm. if you're like in a paranormal situation, linear time doesn't mean anything really. And like trying so hard to, yeah, exactly. What does three mean? Like, like what could it possibly be? You know? And just not having like the, you know, yeah, I guess the, the, the Rosetta stone to figure that out. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> that, like, There's no guidepost. I, th- I thought that was a beautiful ending that really leaves you in like a, 
And I both like, uh, I'm not going to tell you where she is or when she's coming back, but also they did, but we just don't know. Cause it's in a, like, don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the whole um, thing with the shoes, the shoes filling up. I didn't get the shoes. Um, I, I, understood. I, I don't know that I did either, but I was like, I so, loved it. I, I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and like, also like, I feel like it, it's the whole dynamic of their family that the, sh- her shoes in her room were filling up with blood. And his instinct was like, I have to clean this up. So dad doesn't see mm-hmm. like, evidence of something supernatural having happened to your sister. And you can't let your dad know about it. Like, mm-hmm. like, even though he really, he would want to know. And yeah. And trying to like fix it in a very logical way. Like he's just like always cleaning out these shoes. Like, like, yeah, it's, they make that, that comment sometime earlier in the book where they were watching a movie or something and they were like, Oh, I would do this or I would fix this problem this way. And I think that it was their dad that said that like, always have the answer when you're not doing it, you're you're not Mm. going through it. And I like, think about that at the end here, like us on looking him cleaning out ghost buddy, Rosewater shoes of like, (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't know what I would do in that. Yeah, either, you know? like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm reading it, still not even realizing. I'm like, like, it's you're just acting, and that's what anyone would do. Um, so, yeah, hell of a book. It's pretty cool. Yeah, creepy as hell. White mm-hmm. is bewitching. Rad. Well, any any further thoughts on? I think we didn't cover. I let's see. I had like a lot of like highlights and stuff. And, yes. Um. Oh, this was just, I just kind of going back to the very beginning in, in just her style of writing and how just beautiful it, I really think it is. Um, it was like early on, it was like page 69. Lily was a bunch of crumpled pockets and Sylvie is a black dress, perfumed scarves, iron posture, and whatever else turns a person into an atmosphere. Damn. I, I know, like, that's so like, I just like, melted at that kind of like way of describe like turns a person into an atmosphere like that's so good um oh I liked this too because I'm an only child uh there is dad has what I think of as only child dark side syndrome he does everything as if he is being watched oh (laughs) what else did I have I don't know I guess the thing that real that catches me about this book a little bit off guard a lot of the time is how like every time that I think every time that I get into it and I'm like going with the flow and we're going with something supernatural, something really ordinary comes up and kind of interrupts it. Yeah, totally. Oftentimes, oftentimes that interrupting thing or like an ordinary thing that we have to deal with is like Luke is making Miranda eat something and it's, it's, I don't know. I I really like the the role that food plays in this book specifically because I think it's it's typically like a very homey feminine thing of like you know your your mom is cooking for you your grandmother your great grandmother but all of them were averse to it mm-hmm. and and Luke the outsider who can't who isn't allowed in is the one who's pushing it really hard. And that, okay, it also, it also made me think about like, if, if vampirism or sucking the energy out of someone was a real thing that could happen, Mm -hmm. I feel like in a lot of media, we get it as a, 
very like cut and dry snap. Like it happens in 24 hours. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I feel like in reality, it would be way more like an eating disorder and it'd take you like at least 12 months to figure out what was going on. And yeah. then you just have this weird behavior that you're seeing from the outside from someone close to you. And you're like, well, I don't know. We can't talk about mental health. We're British. So we're just not going to. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, in, in any kind of reality, I don't think if, yeah, if someone actually became a vampire, I don't think they would just wake up and know that that's what they are and that they need to like feed on blood or whatever. I, I, yeah, I think it would, you'd probably have a whole big, like, uh, process of exploring your aversion to actual food before mm-hmm. jumping on sucking someone's blood, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Which she yeah, almost no, does that one night with Ori. And then she like is biting her wrist and she's like getting, and then like Ori shuts it down and then like, they don't talk about it again. But yeah. like, I had, I had a thought at that moment too. I'm like, maybe, maybe we're almost there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where I'm like, Oh my God, it's about to break that. And then she pulls it back one more time. Cause like, it's so God, it makes me sad. Cause it's like, this is, it really feels for a while. Like Ori's the answer to all of Miranda's. Yeah. Problems. Yeah. And then, I mean, she is, but she can't be the answer without getting consumed. Yeah. It sucks. It's also interesting. That's such a beautiful metaphor and thinking about relationships because that's such a real thing. Like Like, being in a relationship with someone with a serious mental illness, like yes, what can't be consumed by them, but you also can't leave them. And just, yeah, just relationships in general, romantic and otherwise, like when you're so close and like, yeah. And you feel like you really do have something to help this person or like offer, but yeah, you, you have to be able to give that without being consumed. Like, yeah, just like, that's such a, um, yeah, just that, that give and take that occurs in relationships and like to kind of place it out, like, like that way. I think is an incredibly just relatable thing, you know, um, and to add this extra layer of like the fear you start to feel when you think you might be being consumed. Like that's, that's such a visceral feeling. Like it's yeah. Um, there, there is, there's just so much that just like metaphorically, I think you can really pull just rich description and rich understanding of very nuanced human experiences in relationships, you know? Yeah. There's a lot from, from the relationship with Ori, but also, yeah, her relationship with her dad and everything. There's, I think a lot of really like beautiful exploration of what it means to really love someone who is not well, like, yeah. 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 I mean, we see that a lot. I and mean, that's why I, I wish we got more of Luke, but I mean, what, what a profound character that the little that we did get was so memorable that like from the scene of like him hammering all the drawers shut. So she wouldn't have hiding places, you know, to like working on another cookbook, you know, and then like, really, I'm going to get the right recipe. That's going to fix it. You know, that like, yeah. um, yeah, I guess, I mean, not having the tools to fix it and just like, hammering away literally at anything you can, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's very like, yeah, it's, it's horribly touching, but he always feels to me like he's right on the edge of really losing his temper at. Yes. Mm -hmm. Always. Um, Yeah. 
which is so scary. And because specifically like it's, she does not want to be making him mad. She does not want to be doing what she's doing. She is compelled. And it's, I don't know. It, it reminds me a lot of like, like you were saying, Corey, like people who are in relationships who love each other. And one of them is intentionally or unintentionally harming themselves. And like, of course that would piss you off. Mm, <laughs> yeah. At some point. Yeah, definitely. But then like, if the other person is like, if Mary is going to just start hiding it even more because she's afraid of making him mad, like that's going to be a cycle. And Ah. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's definitely um yeah just undeniably creepy spooky book but um the the depth of what it's exploring i think is just is really impressive uh, yeah i think uh like i i love i love when my horror just goes deep like goes deep mm-hmm. into yeah the experience of being a human and yeah, yeah. definitely definitely did that. I would love maybe a closing thing. It's just to ask because I know that it explained it at one point, but I still don't know if I get it of the title white is for witching. What, what does that mean? There was one line. (laughs) There was, there was one line. And I remember I really loved the line because I like, I did think it was kind of a beautiful sentiment. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was basically about how you use white for witching, like white cloth or whatever for, for witching, because white is able to absorb all of like the colors colors. yeah, Yeah. and all of the energies. So it was like along that idea. Yeah. We get it in a couple places. Cause there's, I, okay. To answer your real question is, I don't think we know because there were several points where like it mentions it and I was like almost completely getting it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get it. And then I couldn't hold on to that thought. Sure. Um, but the, we get it when it's talking about Anna Silver and it's like she, her husband had died. She was wandering around this house that he left her wearing all white, which th- was the color she was scared to wear. She might ruin it. And just cursing up a storm and grieving her husband. And that's like when the house becomes and starts thinking things and like absorbing her prejudices. Um, And then the house also talks about it. I think when it's talking about Ori and it's being like, no white is for witching. You need to Mm -hmm. go. I was going to say, there's definitely a, a racist undercurrent to oh, it, I as, so well, too. it yeah. as well. I don't think that's the entire concept, but that's part of part of it for sure. Yeah. I think it's, um, and then, yeah, like the, the winter apples are like half white. So I yep. think it's just like the spooky things that we are dealing with are all kind of. And the white side was poisonous, bit. right? Something would, like that. Yeah. That I, that I kind of gathered. That was the whole thing with Elliot making the pie using those apples and that like Luke so really suspected. I thought Luke really suspected Elliot by the end of like, what did you do to your sister? You know, like. Ooh, I didn't um, even think about that. Like, cause the, he's really questioning of like, why did you make those at, why did you use those apples? Like why, like very specific, like, why did you make her a pie? Like she doesn't. You know, Never like, done that. Yeah. yeah. Using these specific, like, I thought that was really fascinating too, but that, you know, Luke kind of gets shut out and the book ends, you know? Um, but I think by the end that that's maybe why he was cleaning out the shoes is what I thought was because he couldn't give any evidence or, you know, couldn't give any insinuation that he found something might've happened to, uh, 
uh, Miri because it would might incriminate her himself um, because his father already suspects him. I never thought of that. And that makes it so much scarier that they're the two left in the house and like they're contending over that. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I thought this was a rad book. I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, by the time I got my footing in it, I was like, whew. We're getting some some gothic, which I, I want to read more gothic. And I was reading this and I was like, I want to read more Poe, uh, <laughs> you know? And I, well, like I, and I very much want to read more of Helen Oyeyemi's books. Cause yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, the style of her writing, I feel like is, is very, very uh, unique and unlike anything I can put my finger on in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Very, very just, just beautifully crafted and yeah, good book. Yeah, cool book. Great. great suggestion. I'm really glad we got to read it. Yeah, same. Thank you for recommending it. Absolutely. It. Thanks for picking it, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk about we this book it. for a year. <laughs> now we got the chance to. Yeah. Um, and everyone listening in, because it's a report recorded episode. Um, if they read the book, now they can, you know, they got something to come back to. This is usually part of the book club at the end where we uh, tease the next book um, and the people that are in the book club get the first clue. And then we make a big, you know, announcement the next day, but we were talking beforehand and for December for the Yule season, we we're going to read Krampus, the Yule Lord by Brom. It is a, looks like a revenge story of Krampus versus St. Nick. And you love to see it. Um <laughs> Just a fun Christmas time. Just, <laughs> just like, you know, cozy around the fire and hear about evil old St. Nick, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I think it should be fun. It's, it looks like it's highly uh, well-reviewed uh, and it's December Christmas time. So let's all get into a, some spooky Christmas fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. good. Well, any last, uh, I guess, sentiments or farewells who are? Uh, um, just a really, really solid book, really solid read. Thank you everyone for being part of, you know, the book club or being our supporters. Uh, it's really fun just being able to do this. It also keeps me on top of my reading. It's really easy yeah. to just like, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's like, it, it's nice to kind of have that like little, um, yeah, that little extra activity and also a way to hang out with all of you guys. Absolutely. That's the fun. Y'all are part. great. Um, yeah, so hopefully for, for Krampus, we'll see even more new, new faces and yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Julia, for, uh, hopping in for a surprise recording and, uh, well, uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all next time. Oh, also just full disclosure to other people who are thinking about joining the book club. We don't normally like record them. Like, (laughs) I don't want, I don't want everyone to think that like they have to be on the podcast or something. If they're in book club, it's, it's typically just like, yeah, we don't record it. Um, but because of there's a small number of us that all felt comfortable with it this time, we decided to record it for you all. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm glad we did. This was fun. Good talk. Good, good chat. Good chat indeed. And, um, uh, have a lovely week. Thanksgiving is this yeah, week. Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm working at a movie theater this Thanksgiving, so. Oh, uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of movies that open Thanksgiving. It's wild. People love to go to movies on Thanksgiving. People do. That's like a thing. <laughs> first time on the other side of it. So I'll yeah. see, how, I'll see how that goes.
Yeah. Thank you again for being here, Julia. And thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate you all. See you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye guys. See you soon.